Welcome to another episode of the Archives and Things podcast. I'm your host, Melissa J. Nelson. In today's episode, I will be speaking with Desiree Rochat about her work preserving and promoting Black community archives in Quebec. I connected with Desiree a few months ago after several mutual connections made me aware of her fantastic work. Desiree Rochat is a community educator and researcher. She holds a PhD in educational studies from McGill University. Guided by an approach connecting historical research, community archival preservation, and education, her work aims to document and transmit histories of Black communities' activism. Desiree is a postdoctoral fellow with the Center for Oral History and Digital Storytelling and a Department of History at Concordia University. Welcome, Desiree. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Melissa. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, pleasure to have you. So I wanted to start by learning a bit about your background and your journey to working with Black community archives. Um, okay, so I really started to work with community archives through uh, my community education practice. And so maybe what I'll start with is explain a bit how I come to community organizing and education, because I think it influences how I uh, land into the archival world. So I arrive in Montreal as a teenager, um, born in Haiti, having passed through Switzerland and then Quebec City, um, and really sort of find my place in the city itself in Montreal through community work and community organizing as a teenager. Um, and as I engage with um, this kind of work, I also start to discover the history of various Black communities. And so my maternal family is from Haiti, having been exiled um, very early on during the dictatorship uh, that we had in Haiti under Duvalier. Um, I knew a lot about the Haitian activism and the Haitian communities that had you know, found their place in the city. But as I start to work as a teenager in various organizations, I discover that, A, we're not alone. Um, because, you know, the sort of the family history and family background are focused on, on Haitian immigration here. Um, but I discovered that there is a, a Anglophone local Black community of which I've never um, learned about in, in my entire schooling here. Mm. Um, I start to engage with other Caribbean communities in the city. And so it's really by being engaged in community activities, community organizations, that first of all, I become aware of this other presence, but also that I start to learn about an important history of community activism, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so whereas the Haitian community activism that I had known about had always been focused on sort of anti-Duvalier dictatorship, very looking a lot towards Haiti, um, I also discovered that Black communities in the city have mobilized around a variety of issues, have, you know, created centers, have, you know, been present in the city um, in different ways. So, yeah, so as the years evolve, um, I realized I'm lacking pedagogical material or resources to work with the youth that um, I'm engaged with through community work, including a lot of youth from Caribbean backgrounds like myself. Um, and so around 2013, 2014, I set out to start producing the material uh, that I'm basically missing and that I wish I would have had also as a teenager when I arrived in Montreal. Um, and this is when I start to engage with the archives because to produce that material, 
Um, I need I need sources, right? Both for the historical content, but also for the visual content. Because when you work with youth, teenagers, um, especially, you know, 10 years ago, I'm not talking about social media now, but 10 years ago, um, the, the visual aspect to be able to visualize a history that was, uh, first of all, close to them. So close to them historically, but close to them in terms of the city um, was key for me to create that connection between their own sort of current paths and the history of the communities that um, they are a part of. And it's through this work that I'm you know, looking for archives that I realized, well, most of our archives are in, are in community organizations and in family homes. Mm -hmm. um, so this is how the work to research archives leads to the work of finding archives, leads to the work of then thinking like, well, we have all this incredible material um, that is stored in boxes. So I get to the preservation of community archives because I start from a community education practice mm -hmm. looking for uh, resources to work with youth. Um, and so that sort of, yeah, trajectory of understanding that, you know, variety of Black histories of the city through community work as a youth and then trying to transmit it myself when I become a community educator working with youth um, is what leads me to really engage not only with archives as a source, but also with, with the, the archives in terms of, well, how are we going to really think about a community practice to preserve the same archives that we have produced through our community work, right? Um, and so basically, in a sense, I come back full circle um, to thinking about a sort of black community archival practice now, um, because I start from a black community education perspective and practice. That's really interesting. So your work to me really aligns with black memory work. Mm -hmm. I was wondering what black memory work means to you. How do you define that? And how is it different from traditional archival practices? Well, it's really the same things. I really like the question. I have to say, you got my brain thinking. So, oh, thanks. Um, yeah, uh huh. I really, uh, it, I thought it was really engaging. Um, the thesis that I did um, emerged from a project from from a sort of Black community archival project that I had started years earlier with La Maison d'Haïti, which is a Haitian-based community organization in Montreal. Um, I had started to preserve their archives, was also interested in, in learning about their history. Um, and as I did this project, I was working with my PhD supervisor, Aziz Choudhry, um, who said, well, I think this is a PhD thesis. Why don't you use the thesis to reflect upon uh, the work that you're doing with La Maison d'Haïti? And so I start, I do this years and years and years later, I finish the PhD. And in the conclusion of the thesis, um, I realized that what I'm actually trying to think about is a Black diasporic archival praxis. Mm. And it's to think about how do we merge Black community work anchored in a tradition of activism, community activism, with an archival practices that it is as much about preserving as learning from as activating archives. Mm -hmm. This is what brings me to Black memory work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I think that what I come to 10 years after having started this sort of, you know, yeah, in, in, engagement with archives from different fronts 
is the realization that Black memory work, which I think is also very aligned with this idea that I have of a Black community archival practice, mm -hmm. um, is more than just about preservation. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I define it to me is really to think that Black memory work encompasses a something of the intangible, um, because there is a, a an aspect of it that has to do with sort of collective memory also, mm -hmm. um, and is as much about preservation as it is about transmission, as it is about activation. Mm -hmm. um, and so the other, the other part of it is also that I think that Black memory work um, also encompasses a variety of practices and of practitioners. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. I'm I'm okay. just listening. Um, but yeah, to to me, it's it is really deeply rooted in Black activism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really deeply rooted in our activism and our desire to um, amplify our own voices and our own stories. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and that's why I say. So it's 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 interesting to start thinking about like also a tradition of Black community activism that is anchored around preserving archives. Because mm -hmm. when you when you look at, at sort of activism in our communities, we tend to see the more frontline work, right? Um, so the political activism, the protest in the street. The truth of the matter is, Black community activism is about a, a realm of actions. Mm -hmm. Some of them are more visible, some of them are less visible. And I think, for instance, that education and memory memory work are really key to activism, but they're just less visible. Mm. Um, but when you start to look at, at the people who have done that work, at the places where that work has been done, um, you see that it's it's an action that repeats itself over time, hence the sort of me using the word tradition. But mm. you also realize that... Um, the preservation was always, maybe not always, but very often connected to the desire to pass on and transmit the history, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why I say to me, the, 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 the memory work is that circular thing that encompasses, you know, yes, the archival practice, the maybe more, um, you know, pragmatic of preserving documents, photos, and things like this. But also there's the aspect of preserving the intangible, which is that transmission aspect, right? Um, where people want to um, remember things, remember events, remember together also. Um, and so I, I do think that they go hand in hand. And again, that, that memory work um, is sort of weaving a fabric of practices, of practitioners, of things that have been done historically, and also of things that we were trying to do, right? Because um, it's, it's, it's also about exploring and innovating um, because each community is different. I also think that this is an, a particular articulation that we need to keep in mind. Um, I always say Black communities are not a given. Um, like every community, community is something that is built, right? Mm -hmm. um, I always say you can put 10 Haitian people in a room. It doesn't mean you have a community. They share something, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a community. And so I think it's the same thing. When we think about Black communities in general, we have to be open to the diversity of, we know it, the diversity of experiences, of historical backgrounds. We have to be, you know, no, um, yeah, it's, I mean, di diversity of a bit of everything. But I think this also has an impact on Black memory work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because if you are a community that is a Montreal Black community that has been here for centuries, that has, you know, is on the 10th, 11th, 12th generation, um, versus the Haitian community that uh, has arrived, you know, more recently, 
with um, you know histories of, for instance, political violence like the dictatorship, then the memory work that you're doing is very different. There are similarities, but it's different because your own sort of intellectual, social, and historical gene genealogy is different as well. So I think that's also part of Black memory work is the variety of Black experiences. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think defining Black memory work is... It's an interesting thing because yes, there's there is definitely a variety of of thought approaches uh, of of backgrounds and experiences. So yeah, and I, I think something that's interesting about Black memory work too is I see how it's also trying to define what Black archives are and how that is different from the ways that institutional archives have traditionally uh, defined Black archives as having archival value. So I'm wondering, how does community knowledge and practice influence the way you think about Black archives and the way you define it? Um, as an educator, I always start from the premise that knowledge is something that is created collectively, right? Um, it's created incrementally. So it's like we always build on the knowledge of others, whether it's the things that we read, whether it's the things that we hear about, whether it's the things that we share uh, you know, with, with our own families or with our own communities. Um, and so as an educator, that's the premise that I start with. Knowledge is something that is created together. Even if you're alone, there's people standing around you. That has an impact on the records we produce, mm -hmm. on the format of records we produce, but also on how we understand um knowledge production itself and also the documentation of knowledge, right? Um, and so by looking at not only a document itself, but the context around, mm -hmm. again, taking from uh, the start that I'm, I'm, if I'm looking at a document, so an object of knowledge, I'm understanding that it's created in a social context, it then forces me to see like, okay, that record is connected to a variety of people. It's connected to other records. It's connected to a particular context or particular history. And so it forces me to zoom out and understand the web of relations that are around a record. If I take that for granted, then I understand that this record is actually part of a broader set of records. And this has then an impact on how I understand how we should approach preservation, right? Mm -hmm. This is really um, in uh, aligned with um, the idea that archivist Janet Bastian has around this idea of a community of records. Um, in her book called uh, Owning Memory, she speaks about the context of the Caribbean. Um, and so the, the colonial context of some Caribbean islands where the formal archives, the institutional archives, held the the, the records of colonizing uh, countries, right? And so that they didn't particularly represent the communities that lived and populated these islands, mm -hmm. um, because they presented only one point of view. But what she argued, she said, it doesn't mean that the the other communities don't have their records and don't have mm -hmm. their archives. They just have another variety in terms of formats, in terms of what is preserved, where it is preserved. And to understand these archives, we need to broaden the scope and not just look at phone and collections and or items, but we need to understand communities of records. And so for her, she speaks of communities of records as, um, again, the, the records that are created by a community, which encompass a variety of formats, both tangible and intangible, 
but also the fact that a community has a sort of memory frame, which for me, I, I see more as a knowledge frame that also allows to understand the records. And so there's sort of an interplay between the records, the community that creates it, and the sort of memory slash knowledge frame that the community has that sort of glues together these records, right? Um, and I remember when I read uh, Janet Bastian's book, it sort of blew my mind because mm -hmm. she was able to articulate in terms of archival concepts, what I understood in terms of uh, knowledge as a community educator, right? So understanding the collective nature of knowledge production, understanding uh, you know, that we, we, we document our knowledge in different formats, whether it's a book, whether it's a poster, whether it's a dance, whether it's a poem that we recite. Um, but Jan, uh, you know, Janet Bastian's uh, idea of a community of records really gave me uh, sort of a, not only just a concept, but a tool to work around and to work from, even around archives. Um, and so I'd say that the, the, the way that community knowledge and practice influence how I think about Black archives um, is that it has a direct impact on A, how I look at records. And so what I understand to be archives, right? Uh, I understand that it's not just physical, it's also the intangible. Um, it has an impact on how, how I understand the relationship between archives and sort of knowledge and memory, understanding that, well, these things go hand in hand and I could look at a document, but I need to also be understanding where it emerges from um, and what kind of collective memory is around either the record itself or the event itself. Um, and then it has, uh, as a, on a third aspect, then it has an impact also on how I understand what we need to be preserving. Mm -hmm. Because if I start to think about collective aspect of this thing, then I realize that it's not just about preserving one you know, form of a person, of an institution, but it's really started to think about a constellation of archival records and archival creators, if I should say, in relation to one another. If I take, for instance, um, Black community organizations, most of them, not all of them, but most of them emerge from different people or different groups coming together. And so that already on its own makes it that if I'm gonna work on archiving one organization, that I often need to look beyond and say, well, actually, which collective got together to create this organization? Which mm -hmm. people got together to create this organization? And so if I was trying to think about archiving that one organization, my brain would almost automatically be thinking like, okay, well, what other font should I be looking for to complete that sort of picture, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so once again, it's thinking relationally, what is connected to what? Um, but also holistically, that um, things cannot be taken in isolation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you make an, a good point about um, the archival catalog, the way that the way that information is stored and the way that uh, the relational networks are surfaced. It's it is pretty limiting. I think some institutions may have found ways to show those connections between people and organizations but I think the archival catalog is pretty limiting yeah I think this is where uh, in theory I think our conversations and and uh, you know around the idea for instance of societal provenance and 
things like this are probably a bit more advanced than the tools that we have developed so far. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about and I have so far failed at <laughs> is trying to think like, how do we actually cross-reference um, you know, uh, so for instance, archival font, I I'm going to take, for instance, La Maison d'Haïti. So La Maison d'Haïti is this community organization that I've worked with. Uh, we have, uh, you know, um, done a basic inventory because that's what we could do, a basic inventory of all the, of about 23 boxes, um, mostly documents, some of them photos as well. Um, and so that's sort of the, the, the bulk of the archival font. Now on the other side, you have all these organizers and activists that have been around the organization for about 20 years. I conducted some oral history interviews as part of my thesis around this. Um, and some of the pieces of the oral history are directly connected to the archive itself, right? And so it's like, how do we actually understand these things together? And how do we make them accessible together so that the, the researcher or the community member or you know, the youth that wants to come and engage with these boxes of material also understands and hears some of the stories that relate to them? Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I guess my, my technological knowledge limits me, but I have I'm yet to find a tool uh, that is actually that easily articulates these things. Like how do we capture collective memory? Mm -hmm. um, and use this to document archives, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it, 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 it's a huge part. I think that that's the thing, like that's black memory work. I mm -hmm. don't think it's just black memory work. I think, I think it's something that applies to other contexts as well. But what is clear in, in the sort of the black memory work, anyways, the practice that I've done um, and I've had the absolute chance and I'm very humbled by the stories that I have received over the years from older organizers. And I see it as my responsibility to pass them on, but I'm doing this orally. I'm mm -hmm. doing this when I you know, do workshops. I'm doing this when I'm telling stories. I'm doing this when I do presentation, but that's not archived anywhere, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so for the next person that comes and engages with this archive, this whole memory frame is not necessarily present. Uh, so I do think that's something that we need to think about for the future. Yeah. How do we pass on our knowledge? Absolutely. And I think just to go back to some things you were saying about community knowledge, when we think about institutional archives, they are very disconnected from communities and community knowledge. So I'm wondering, what are your thoughts on how institutional archives can actually collaborate with community workers to foster relationships and engagement with Black communities? That's a big, big question. That, yeah. uh, that was actually the subject of the research residency that I did at Concordia University uh, two years ago um, at Special Collections, right? Because um, over the years, Special Collections has developed a specialization in terms of area of acquisition around the archives of Black English communities in Montreal. And so they've acquired various fonts. Um, and part of the questions that I and other community members but um, that I had was like, well, what does it mean when our archives are now in institutional places like universities, so like Concordia in a sense, what does that mean for the relationship of the community mm -hmm. of creation to the archives? What does that mean for people engaging with the archives that they come into a place where, you know, as of now, for instance, there is no one from that community working in the archive or no one that can you know, um, necessarily 
speak to the history of that community in the archives? How does that impact how people engage also with the material? Um, and I think, I mean, coming out of the residency, it's it's making me think that one of the solution is also to, to, to think about new types of positions within archives, right? Um, so one of the things that to me was very interesting when I started, the residency is, is just a year, um, but is that people started to reach out to me, not because of the person that I am, but because I've been a community worker for 20 years in Montreal. And so some people know me because of the work that I do. People know me because I've been working as a, you know, with youth, I've been working in various community organization. And the vision that people had of me entering a position at Concordia was like, oh, so then one of us is in there, we can access it more, more easily, right? And so that really started to make me think beyond uh, beyond the frame of the residency. Well, what would it mean for institutions like libraries uh, and archives to actually have community workers and community educators on staff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because they, they, their engagement with, with um, the material is going to come from a different perspective, but also their outreach strategy is different, right? Um, and so I do think that it's through, A, thinking about various collaborative projects, but projects that are also based on secure positions, right? Because uh, one of the challenges with doing projects is that they're they're sh short in time, right? Often they're very time bound. So it's different to think about like, okay, how do we create a project where we work together versus how do we create position where we have people that are there in the long run? Mm -hmm. Because that's also what it takes to really foster and maintain a strong community engagement, you need longevity of people, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so that's a bit where 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 my head is at in in thinking about like creating opportunities for people to collaborate, but also opportunities just for people to get to know each other and get to know who is doing that work. Like who is doing that work in Concordia? Who is doing that work in the community so that you can start to identify different people that then you bring together to start collaborating. But again, to do that work, you need, it's labor. You mm -hmm. need someone doing this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I do think that by changing the mind frame of who we see uh, as a as a archival worker, <laughs> as a memory worker, that's a first step into thinking about institutional collaborations differently as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that um, that's an incredible idea. Archivists should be working alongside community workers. I absolutely agree. I think that archives in general should be recruiting people from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm have more variety of experiences and thought being brought to the these positions. I think that that would completely change the way that we're approaching this work and move us into the direction that a lot of archivists are saying we need to be going in, which is a more inclusive um, and respectful uh, future where there's more representation, there's better descriptions, there's better relationships with communities yeah, I love your idea. I think it's a great idea. Well, you know, uh, thank you. But as I say, I won't take the credit for it. I think to me that it was it was a realization just because uh, my community members reached out to me, right? I, I wouldn't have necessarily thought about it in that way when I started. But I mean, some people, 
very openly. Some people called my mom and were like, oh, Desiree works at the archive now. So that means we can go. And I was like, more than just the fact, it was like the thought, okay. So that's what it means to people to feel like they have a community worker inside this institution, right? Mm -hmm. So I won't take the full credit for the idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was inspired by the response that I saw in my community. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, of, of the idea of having sort of this, this kind of person inside a, a university. Now, I think also that um, collaboration is, is also, it's important to think about it both ways, right? Because I think having worked in community groups and community organizations for over 20 years, um, I know that, for instance, one of the challenges that we have is around knowledge organization and knowledge preservation. I mean, a lot of our, you know, records, older records uh, just lay in boxes. And so I do think also that something can be done the other, should be done the other way around to think about like, how can archivists also influence uh, the way that community organization think about the own knowledge that they're producing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I have to say, this is where, again, collaborations are absolutely key. One of uh, my closest, closest collaborator, I call her my archives partner in crime. <laughs> uh, her name is Kristen Young. She's an archivist. And Kristen and I, Kristen did her uh, master's in archival studies at McGill. And then while I was also at McGill finishing um, the PhD, and we met through our mutual uh, interest in archives. And then we worked together for years and it was really interesting because we sat at the table and she brought on her own archival background and I brought on my whole community education practice. And we really developed a practice together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for instance, through the through the project at La Maison d'Haïti, she helped me see like, okay, well, these are the standards, then how do we adapt them to the context? And then I brought on, well, okay, this is what we need. This is what we're doing. How do we... How does that influence the archival practice that we're developing? But this was a long-term thing. And so that's why I say the question of longevity is also key to real deeper collaborations that are actually going to push us to develop new ways of doing because developing new things takes time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So can you tell me a bit about your Black Lives In and Archives project? Yes, <laughs> I will. So. Black Lives in Archives, Black Lives and Archives is um, sort of the culmination of, you know, 20, now 25 years of community work with, you know, now 10 years of doing this sort of Black archival practice uh, groundwork. Um, and the, the goal of the project, which I'm really, you know, building little bit by little bit, is sort of to bring about and, and, and build a community of practitioners um, that share an interest and share work related to the archives of Black Lives. Um, and so if I you know, go at it more formally, it's, it's a project that aims to, it's a collaborative project, bring together people that care for and learn from the archives of Black Lives. And the idea is to um, put together the people that created the archives, so whether it's institutions, whether it's people, with people that are doing the work to preserve them, whether they're doing this work formally or informally inside institutions or community organizations or on their own sort of free work and free will, um, together with the people that are using these archives, whether they're researchers, graduate students, 
community workers and organizers themselves, community-based researchers, artists, and then with people that are disseminating these um, these archives, right? Because we do have people that continue to, to tell and share that history in different spaces and not just within academia. And so the, the Black Lives in Archives for me is basically a community project to build a community of people around the archives of Black Lives, right? Because um, I believe that it's really by connecting people um, that are involved in different archival research, pedagogical or creative initiatives um, centered around the archives of Black Lives. That's how we're gonna really develop um, not only a collaborative practice, but that we're gonna learn from each other mm -hmm. and learn about the work of each other Mm -hmm. and are really truly going to honor the archives of Black Lives in Montreal. And so whether it's, you know, through activities, creating a web platform, now the, the, the format is something that still needs to be, uh, you know, built along the lines, but it's really this idea that there is already an archival ecosystem of people, institution, material, all together that exists in the city. Now, what we need to do is to sort of put that archival ecosystem to the fore and really work collaboratively to strengthen it. And so it's community organizing at its purest, right? You bring people together around a shared interest and then create co collective actions to better the state of what you want. Now, what I personally am aiming for is for us to work better at preserving the archives of Black lives in Montreal, um, but also in a way that honors the Black lives that have created the archives that have worked to preserve them and that also work to research them, right? And so the only reason why we have these archives right now is because there has been, you know, labor of the people from various black communities historically that have sustained that. And so the idea of, of working together is also to honor this labor, this work that has been done um, and to see how we can together push it further. Mm -hmm. Sounds like an incredible project. I'm so excited about it. And I love that it's not just bringing visibility to this work and these people that are involved in creating and using archives. It's also just building knowledge and mm -hmm. creating a space for this knowledge to be passed down to different generations so that we will actually learn how to care for our own records. Absolutely, absolutely. So to me, this this the Black Lives and Archives project is based on sort of, I'd say three main pillars. Um, again, the first one is that there exists this archival ecosystem uh, centered on the archives of Black Lives, right? And so that if I start with that first idea, it means that I have to recognize that there are people that have been doing this work inside and outside institutions. So this archival ecosystem exists. The goal is to strengthen it. The second aspect or the second you know, idea or premise of this project is that no one will be able to do this work alone. We need to do it together, A, because it's not manageable alone, but B, because it's only by sharing practices that we're gonna be mm. able to develop something that is um, really anchored in black memory work, right? Mm -hmm. even, for, even as our archives are taken up by institution, it's important that we recognize that there has been preservation work all along. Otherwise, formal institutions couldn't have these archives, right? Mm -hmm. So this question of like recognizing different practices and really trying to merge some of them together, that's sort of the second. And the third 
is goes back to this idea of the collective nature of knowledge, which links to what you just said, is the idea that um, to care for and learn from the archives of Black lives, we need to think holistically and in a very circular manner about the connections between how knowledge is produced in a community setting, how knowledge is transmitted in a community setting in collaborative and collective ways, how knowledge should be documented also mm -hmm. and then preserved, which then can lead to a way that we can activate and use these archives in the richness that they encompass, if I should say, um, so that then we can go back to producing other knowledge. So this is exactly what you're saying. It's like, if, if we recognize the circularity and we recognize that it's always been done collectively, um, then we also really start to pay attention to the future of archiving and say, well, if we're going to think about a future way of archiving um, Black histories and Black community archives anchored in a practice of Black memory work, then we need to think about this collaboratively and collectively. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think this also would be really impactful to Black youth Mm -hmm. making archives more relatable to them and helping them to see that the records that they produce, that their families produce, that their communities produce have value. Absolutely. And that generations from now, someone will appreciate it. You know, if you learn to care for it, it doesn't have to go into an institutional archive, but you should learn to care for it. Pass it on. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's it's this idea of of engaging with with archives from from different perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why I say like archivists have one way to approach archives, community workers will have another way, but artists will have another way. That's why I say we need artists around the table cuz okay. I'm I'm an educator and I'm a scholar, which means that part of my default is to think about workshops and to think about writing. Mhm. Mm but someone else might be like, oh, I'm looking at this archive, like, what is the mural that we're going to build, you know, from it? Mm -hmm. Or what is the play that we can do with this? There's maybe one thing that I'd like to add. Um, so maybe I'll jump into it in thinking about this, the, the, the collaborative and the community process. Um, I think that maybe one other aspect of thinking about doing this archival work anchored in a sort of community practice is the question of the pace. Um, and um, I think that we also have to accept that this work is slow, that yeah. it's going to be messy, um, like every form of community work. That's why I always say community work is something you do and you redo and you redo. You can't take for granted that a, a, a community exists out there. It's something that you need to build, something that you need to care for. I think it's the same thing. If we're going to be doing this archival work collectively, um, we have to be in it for the long run. It's not going to be quick. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be straightforward. It's going to be, you know, lots of trials and errors, lots of learning, lots of moving forward, you know, moving backward. Um, so that's why I think it's also okay to accept that this thing is slow. That's why, you know, when you asked me about the project of Black Lives in Archives, I'm saying, well, I'm starting slowly. For me, the first step is talking about it and actually gathering a community of people around it, getting people interested in it to say, okay, is that something that speaks to you? If it does, then how do I even adapt the project? Because it's not my project. 
It's a project that we're going to build collaboratively. And so if I come with it with a very precise frame, like this is what we're going to do, it's not a community project. It's a DESI project. <laughs> and that's not what I'm aiming for. And so I think this idea of, of moving slowly is really important. And um, there, the, there are two scholars, um, Kimberly Kristen and Jane Anderson, that have an amazing article called Toward Slow Archives. And in it, they speak really precisely about the need for us to change uh, the pace at which we work if we are going to try to archive differently, um, really anchor our work in relational ethics and really try to sort of change power dynamics, the pace of it is really important. And so I think that to me, um, slowing down is also the way to honor uh, Black lives in archives, which means really taking the time to spend time with the archives themselves, with the people that created them in community organizations or in homes or in churches or in collective spaces. Um, but it's also the only way that we're gonna be able to see and honor the black labor that has preserved these archives historically so far, right? Mm -hmm. um, because if we go and we just you know, get material and leave, then we don't mm -hmm. take the time to see like, well, how come this material is still there? Because if it's still there, it means somebody has taken the time to preserve it. Even if it's just in a box and it's messy, someone put it in that box, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so slowing down is also giving us the, the time and the opportunity to build the relations upon which this work needs to be done, right? Um, and so I, I, I think that to, to me, Black memory work also needs to really honor a slower pace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. To recognize the past and also to build a stronger future. Build a future, absolutely. Well, Des Desiree, this was an incredible conversation. I am excited to continue learning from you. You are amazing to speak to. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And may I say, I'm really excited to continue learning with you because I think that <laughs> this is the beauty of an exchange like this and of the work that we are, you know, all doing in our different places is that um, each, each of us is doing it in a, in a different way that sometimes overlap, that sometimes is different. And we just, we have to have the humility and create the opportunities for us to share and, and learn together. So I really appreciate you doing this, the, the podcast, I think is, that's also part of building a collaborative practice, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks. And with that, I will say, thank you for listening. Join me next time on Archives and Things. Thank you.